Hey guys, welcome to the Entrepreneur's Dilemma. This is my first episode. Um, basically what this podcast is about is uh, the entrepreneur's struggle through kind of day-to-day uh, issues, capital raising, um, getting in touch with investors, uh, the struggles of growing a small business, the personnel issues, um, and just generally, you know, what, uh, what else is going on in the, in the markets. Um, you know, this is my first podcast. I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Um, my story is a little bit complicated, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, we'll, we'll see how everything pans out, but um, I wanted to share with you today, actually, uh, the introduction or the entire podcast of um, something else that, uh, that, that recently happened to me. So um, starting a new business, sometimes you run into some legal issues, and uh, I think that my situation is a great example of what can happen when you do run into those legal issues. So um, I'm going to shut up and let you guys listen to, to the podcast that was on Sports Byline. Rick Peterson back with you in the San Francisco studios. And we are now joined by Farva Joffrey, who uh, has a case which uh, I'll let her explain it, but uh, it has to do with a, uh, a little bit of uh, conflict of uh, interest. Uh, Farva, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so this all started out, I guess, a couple of years ago in 2016, um, when a company called Signal Funding was launched by um, sort of the founder of the pre-settlement funding industry. Uh, it was a guy named Gary Chodes. He was formerly the CEO and founder of Oasis Financial, which is the biggest player in in the space. So um a couple of months into the venture, um, Gary and I were the original uh, employees, and we start to recruit people um, who are former Oasis employees and also current Oasis employees. Um, and to just fast forward a little bit, in October of 2016, um, the company gets sued. So Signal Funding gets sued by Oasis Financial, and Oasis Financial throws in a bunch of individuals into the lawsuit who are employees of Signal Funding, myself included. Um this is kind of interesting because, you know, I was not from the industry originally. I was never employed by Oasis Financial. Gary and the others were previously. Um, and, you know, we were represented by different counsels. So, um, you know, Gary and I, we were represented by one law firm. And then some of the other employees were represented by another law firm. And, um, you know, it, my lawyer and I think lawyers as time passed, kept saying like you know you're farva you're thrown in here as as for fun it's sort of a joke that you're in this lawsuit because it's an employment case and this really has nothing to do um with you and everybody else they're former oasis employees so um time goes by the litigation sort of intensified um there's a couple of other lawsuits that are hurled at signal and at gary chose individually and in early march of 2017 um you know things sort of fall apart between Gary and his board at 777 Partners. And, you know, he's terminated and um, I was sort of his number two. So, um, you know, I continue to to run the company. Um, but, you know, some changes started to happen, obviously, since they're the, the original owners or the majority owners um, started to get a little bit more involved. Um, so they fire this lawyer who's representing me um, by they, I mean like the general counsel and the legal department and the managing partners at 777. And they bring in these, these new lawyers at, at very fancy law firms. So um, this one guy, Bill Gusman from Schulte, Roth and Zabel, um, he comes in to represent both Signal and me. 
And then um, this other law firm and lawyer, um, John Geekus from Arnstein and Lair, um, he comes in to represent Signal Funding and me as well. Um, so uh, these guys say the same thing that the original lawyers say, like, you know, Farva, you're kind of in this for fun. Um, you're a really good source of information, though, because Gary is gone and we don't know what's been happening for the last eight months. So um, obviously we need to spend a lot of time with you and be able to, you know, file an answer to the complaint. Um, so Bill and uh, John are my lawyers from these two separate law firms. And actually during this period of time, Arnstein and Lair, they merged with this other law firm called Saul Ewing. So now it's Saul Ewing, Arnstein and Lair. It's a very large national law firm. They have every practice area. Um, they're pretty well capitalized, uh, you know, pretty strong reputation. Schulte Roth is a slightly smaller law firm. It's more um, a little bit more niche, has about, I think, 800 to 1,000 lawyers. Uh, most of them are based in New York, but Saul Ewing, Arnstein and Lair is a national law firm. So, um, you know, everything is fine in the beginning. I'm cooperating. I'm an employee of Signal. Um, I'm also at the 777 level, so I was an associate there. Um, the litigation is ongoing between Oasis and Signal, um, and I'm providing as much information as I can on Signal's behalf and also on my behalf as an individual, because if you remember, I'm, um, you know, I'm included in this lawsuit. So typically what lawyers do when they have two clients that they're representing in a, in a similar case, they have you sign an engagement letter and they also have you sign a, um, a conflict waiver, because obviously in litigation, if you have two clients, there might be a point that arises where the two clients no longer have aligned interests. And that's exactly what sort of happened in this case. However, um, you know, in this piece of litigation, despite the fact that Saul Ewing is this behemoth of a law firm and, you know, national recognition and John Geekus has been recognized as, you know, a 40 under 40 lawyer, um, someone supposedly with a great reputation, they don't get an engagement letter from me. So they never have me sign something so basic as an engagement letter and I don't get a conflict waiver. Um, so at some point during the summer of 2017, um, you know, uh, these lawyers try to file like motions to dismiss um, both me from the case and signal funding from the case. Um, I see a, you know, I see a draft come through. I approve it for my attorneys. And, um, you know, I thought that, hey, I'll be dismissed from this case in no time. You know, what all these lawyers have been telling me is that there's no real reason for me to have been here in the first place. Well, simultaneously, um, you know, my relationship with Signal and 777 was sort of deteriorating. Um, I was having, uh, I think that I saw a lot of things there that I, I did not like. I thought there was problems in terms of their capital. I think that they were undercapitalized and really didn't state how undercapitalized they were to the rest of the world. Um, I know that towards the end when Gary Chodes was at Signal, um, you know, he was having some conflict with 777 and I was not really directly exposed to that conflict because he was my boss and he was sort of the buffer. Um, but slowly but surely, as I was directly um, confronted with some of the management at 777 Partners, I started to see some of the things that, you know, Gary had complained about during his tenure there. So over time, um, I sort of made the decision, hey, I think, you know, this probably is not going to be the right fit for me. Um, and in late September, I resigned. Um, so when I resigned, I, you know, I resigned to the managing partners of 777. I, I resigned to um, the general counsel uh, of 777. And I also resigned to 
um, one of the lawyers who was representing me in the litigation because I knew that um, that re- that litigation was ongoing. Um, it may affect how they were, were to get information um, for the purposes of doing any discovery. Um, so I, I, I gave them that notice. And about a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from, um, from not John Gigas, from Bill Gusman saying that, you know, we might try to start to settle this thing. Um, and the next month in December, you know, I was not, obviously I was not, I was no longer at Signal. I was no longer at 777. Um, and I got a, a, I got a settlement agreement sort of emailed to me from, from both Bill and John. Um, and the settlement agreement, you know, it was, I thought it was a little bit odd because a settlement agreement usually restricts your rights in certain ways and, uh, versus like a straight dismissal where you're dismissed from the case because there was no reason for you to be there in the first place. Um, when you're dismissed with prejudice, I think that means that, you know, that, that suit can't be refiled against you because, um, you know, a judge found no cause or for a claim or anything along those lines. So, um, you know, I, I was reading through the settlement agreement. I was like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like the end of the world. However, there was something, there was something in there, um, that was, you know, restricting my rights. And it was, it was a non-cooperation clause. Um, so I think the general public doesn't know a ton about a non-cooperation clause, but I think lawyers would probably, probably be familiar with it. And essentially what it is, is like a gag order. And, you know, there's, there's varying case law, there's varying scholarship on these non-cooperation clauses, um, but for the most part, they're deemed illegal. And there's there are things that you can't really put into a contract because it's it's restrictive of somebody's ability to cooperate with um, with another party and with a certain party. And so during this you know period of time when I was at seven 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 and Signal, I was not talking to the guy who had been fired, Gary Chodes. Um, you know. I, I was under the impression that if I talked to him or tried to form any sort of relationship with him after it even ter- terminated, I probably would be terminated as well, just because everybody was so hostile towards him upon his, you know, upon and after his departure. So, you know, I think to a lot of people, they would probably say, um, you know, you're not really talking to this guy anymore. Like, why would you, why would you not just sign this thing and get out of the lawsuit? Well, first of all, there was something that rubbed me like the wrong way about you know, signing something that says I cannot cooperate um, with another party, with a third party who's not involved here and not able to speak on their behalf. Um, Because, you know, if that was done to me, if I was in his shoes and somebody um, was doing that, I'd probably be pretty ticked off about it. So I'm sorry, were you going to say something? No, I just I was going to I was I was letting you go there, but I was just trying to get to the point of 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 John Geekus was Saul Ewing was representing you. His father Constantine, what is the what is apropos when it comes to is are there NDAs? Uh, what is the malpractice and the conflict of interest when uh, a guy at at Saul Ewing that's representing you and then takes what's going on to is this like a secret conversation? Is this information that's not supposed to be going out in any way, shape, or form? Well, the convers- so this is where it gets sticky, right? So this settlement agreement is going on. I think that there's a conflict of interest between me and Signal, right, with the settlement agreement coming down the pipe. Um, John Geekus is still my lawyer. And, um, you know, once I say I'm not going to sign the settlement agreement, John Geekus calls me and says, um, you know, do you, want, do you want to fire me? He pretty much invites me to fire him. And I say... Um, I'm going to secure other counsel because I think you have a conflict. So, yes, I think that you should probably withdraw as my counsel. 
And that's on December, you know, he withdraws as my counsel on December 4th. Now, on December 7th, a guy named Constantine John Geekus serves me with a complaint in federal court. And initially I thought, oh, my God, this is my former counsel who just withdrew, who's, you know, suing me. Um, that turned out not to be the case. It turned out to be his father. And what we sort of learned throughout the federal trade secret litigation was that while John Geekus was actually representing me, um, he referred the case to his dad against me. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, for people, I think, in the legal world, in the business world, and probably a lot of lay people, that doesn't really sit very well. Um, because obviously a lawyer, you know, there's the attorney, a client, there's the attorney client privilege. Anything that you say as a client, as a client to a lawyer within certain bounds is considered absolutely confidential, um, not discoverable. And, um, this is a guy who violated those confidences, right? Instead of having loyalty, there's a duty of loyalty that you have to your client. Instead of having that loyalty to your client, you literally, you know, stick your dad on her, you know, to, to sue her, to file a lawsuit against her because you have these loyalties to this other client, this other client that might be paying you more. In this case, John Geekus and the general counsel of 777 Partners had been friends for 17 years. They were rowing buddies. They went to law school together. Um, so upon my departure from 777, which was a contentious departure, um, you know, John was still representing me, but was sort of lining up his father to sue me at the same time. Um, so that is where the real conflict comes in. And obviously the conflict does not just lie with John. It also lies with Saul Ewing since he's a partner at the firm. Okay. So wrapping it up, a two part question then, what, what are the legal legs upon which your case is going to stand and then, uh, damages? What, what are you seeking from all this Farva? Um, so the legal legs, I think that's, that's, um, I guess a little bit more difficult for me to answer since we, we, you kind of leave that to the lawyers, but, um, there's something called the, uh, the rules of professional conduct and it goes state by state. Um, and so there's provisions in there, uh, you know, relating to duties to a current client duties to a former client, um, and then conflicts of interest. Uh, so there are three rules that we mention in our complaint, um, and we are, you know, our position is that Saul Ewing and John, have vi they've violated those three rules. Um, in terms of damages, um, you know, not to get too much into the federal trade secret case, but, um, you know, that is very heavily contested litigation that's ongoing in federal court right now. Um, Constantine Geekus is presumed by law to have received confidences from his son. Now, these two cases are a lot more related, the Oasis case and this federal trade secret case that I'm alluding to. They're very they're they're related. And the fact that the two of them actually shared a law firm together. So Constantine Geekus and John Geekus had a law firm together. Um, they also are family and they have a business affiliation as well. Um, they're presumed by law to have shared the confidences that I, you know, you know, I divulged to John. Um, so Constantine is sort of at a has a leg up on what's going on in the federal trade secret case because presumably he received information about me um, from his son. So the damages would be for, for federal court, obviously, to get in there, you, unless it's federal question jurisdiction, um, you would have to plead damages in excess of $75,000. And that's our position right now. Farva Joffrey, thank you for your time. Thank you.